Welcome back to another episode of The Geek Whispers. Uh, my name is John Tr- Mark Troyer. And I'm Amy Lewis. And I'm Matthew Broberg. <laughs> we were all kind of searching. <laughs> Wait, make sure we had the right name there. I feel like the two of you are seeking your real names. <laughs> I was just, I was playing pantomime with John and <laughs> didn't work for anyone. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm John Troyer in real life. I'm John Mark Troyer professionally often. And then uh, people call me Mark all the time and I don't know why. So that's where I was going with that one. I want to go yeah. with, I want to be Wonder Woman. If we get to choose. <laughs> 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 call me anything. Just don't call me late for dinner. That's a very good one. Hey, so we're going to have a, a nice, focused, quick, and all, as you can see, a very good Geek Whispers here this episode. We want to talk about influencer marketing. And everyone's like, oh, really again? No, we haven't talked about influencer marketing in a while. It's not this way. So... Uh, at least two of the Geek Whisperers in their day jobs are involved very heavily in this thing called influencer marketing. In fact, Amy, you have a title that's near influencer marketing, but it's not actually influencer marketing. Your title is actually Director of Influence Marketing. Correct. Um, now, uh, let, me, let me talk about influencer marketing, and then let's talk about influence marketing in a second, uh, just briefly, so to, to, to clarify that. Influencer marketing uh, is, a, is a something very trendy in the marketing world right now, and it is, uh, it's been growing. Uh, we all kind of have seen it, but it is uh, as commonly practiced, as I will explain kind of as commonly practiced in the industry, it is the, the act of paying people uh, who, have, who have an audience to kind of endorse or otherwise interact or do something with your brand. And the common sense, yeah, that's, that's my definition. Is that not yours? Well, um, no, I call that a particular, I call that influencers as a service when it's a paid model. Sure. Well, if you go to ad age or digiday or any of these trade rags, which I have Mm -hmm. now become in the habit of reading because I am in the marketing world. Um, and then they talk about influencer marketing and we probably, I probably should have some links in front of us, but we'll just make it up. Uh, the usual scenario that they that they describe is a consumer brand that is selling a very comfortable, say, trouser mm-hmm. will uh, pay some handsome uh, model-like uh, 19-year-old on Instagram a large amount of money to wear the trousers and to uh, endorse the brand. <laughs> Are uh, these docker dockers? <laughs> um, but yeah, as the naive third party in this conversation, I can confirm John's premise here. That, that's what it sounds like to me when you hear mm. influencer marketing. It's the pay-to-play model. Interesting. So uh, that's a common model. I don't think it's always paid, but it's usually around some sort using people to endorse or engage or people who have either an audience or an authority. And I think actually we'll get into that here in this conversation about maybe what people might be thinking and what maybe people might be misthinking about, like, what is an influencer? So so the mom blogger phenomenon in some ways is what I think of that as. Right. I'll send you a but I'll send you a Swiffer and you blog about it. It's so interesting because I really do, in my decks, break it into uh, earned, owned, and paid. Um, I so, love that. Yeah, because number one, it puts it back in a, a common marketing language that people can suddenly start to identify with. And number two, it distinguishes, I think they're very different tactics that you would use differently. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that, that segmentation actually is very old in the social media world. And, and at some point, I thought it was kind of played out. But it actually turns out to be still, a, a, like you say, a fairly useful model for how to describe this. Well, and I mean, older than social media, right? That's classic PR and ad language. We okay. go back to the days before we had email accounts with that stuff. 
Uh, um, I, I don't know what that I, looks I, like. I, 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 I literally <laughs> cannot explain to you what a career looks like without email. Uh, but um, let's stick with us, kid, and uh, <laughs> hashtag the, um, token millennial. I, uh, I pasted together at when my early publishing career, uh, and I, I was probably in high school. I pasted together a newspaper, so I, I go back that far uh, with actual paste. Uh, um, so. Um, but now, Amy, so I also, uh, with uh, Kat and myself, right, we co-founded this thing called the Influence Marketing Council. Mm-hmm. And actually, I was going to call it the Influencer Marketing Council. And I'm glad, I, I'm, I'm half glad I didn't. I'm half wish I had. <laughs> but, but I did that because of you, Amy. Now, your job title uh, is now, it, it has been for a while, Director of Influence Marketing. Correct. Um, not Influencer Marketing. Now, why did you name yourself that? Because, well, it's almost even clearer in my current job um, with NetApp, again, as a larger enterprise, I could distinguish a little more. At SolidFire, being a startup, I had to wear all the hats that didn't have heads to fit them. Um, And we did fit together, and actually I learned a lot. Because on that side of the fence, I had field marketing, channel marketing, events marketing, and social media marketing. And then what I did myself with influencers. Um, on the NetApp side of the fence, we really have three clear buckets because you know me, there's got to be three buckets. Um, we've got the influencer piece. So the people piece we've got, I mean, it really is people platforms content. If I'm truthful, we've got the community or the forum. So we've got the platform that we own. We've got the social media team, which is the content marketing piece. Yes. Over a platform. And then we have close association with the events team. So it's, it's the people platform content model that I've always preached, which is kind of the, the wheelhouse of influence marketing. Mm-hmm. And um, our IMC influence marketing council actually is, is, uh, has some a slightly different kind of set of buckets, but I wanted to make sure that people understood that it wasn't just about using or working with, uh, you know, a set of people like influencers, like we're about to, like we're talking about here in this episode. And okay, so my, John, I'm yeah, going to call yeah, you out. Have ahead. you gone full dark side too many ad week, but you keep saying using, <laughs> we're taking you off whatever part of the internet you've been hanging out. Yes, on, John. Really, really left. using. I got, well, I got to watch myself. Wow. That's interesting. Um, yeah, yeah we're, we're going to use back. people. Yeah. Come back. <laughs> we got Matt, I think we should lock him in a room and make him listen to like episodes one through 10 of the Geek Whisperers. <laughs> okay. I hope that's considered like a, the, a positive type of shock therapy and not torture. Not can, sure. we, can, can we talk about brand activation and brand, uh, uh, brand sentiment next? Just um, as long as I, you don't call me a resource, we're good. <laughs> I've been writing up proposals lately. So uh, I often talk about the Influence Marketing Council does is for people who work in influencer, advocacy, and community marketing. Mm. And, and those are the buckets I use because we're all working with people. Uh, and uh, see that, that we're not using people. We're working with people. And we're working in, you know, in communities with bloggers, with influencers. We are working in sometimes with people who are brand advocates, advocacy programs, sometimes people who are interested in the company. But it's all relationship-based marketing is another word that I use. And well, I wanted to, to differentiate from just kind of community managers or just kind of uh, content sure. marketing like that. Well, but that would that gets back, I think, into the earned, owned, paid model. It's still three mm-hmm. wings of working with people, the influencer versus the art of influence. So mm-hmm. navigating kind of a more mysterious water of various marketing programs that have various disciplines, but the whole of it, um, 
the sum of its parts is influence. And it's funny because this just came up today. Number one thing you're going to get asked, and not to jump jump topics, but to get right in Matt's favorite, um, how do you measure it? And I think if you don't have some association with social media marketing, it becomes a lot harder to measure. Because you can talk about the number of people you worked with, the amount of content they produced, but some of those good traditional, and I love that we've aged to the point it's good traditional, social media metrics become a way to measure the change in influence over time. Because I didn't want to leave our kind of definitional conversation without also talking about, uh, and before we talk about metrics and, and who is a, what your audience is and things like that, um, another common characteristic of all these kinds of marketing is not only are they based on relationships uh, and you know some of them actually are one to many but they are based they are based on relationships is also that it is a mm, well Amy I love your metaphor and I used it the other day frankly of a boulder <laughs> versus pebbles into a oh, into yeah. the puddle yeah. uh, often when I talk with brand marketers and people who are more traditional marketers they really do want to see that like giant boulder of a Wall Street Journal uh, ad or a huge celebrity um, right big splash uh, one big yeah. splash Check yeah. the box, call it a day. And they're like, ah, oh, a bunch of little bloggers. What does that matter? And so it's a it's an interesting conversation to talk about, well, what audience are you trying to reach? And, you know, those little pebbles of, of multiple com- conversations with multiple people over a long period of time, uh, you know, really has impactful uh, resonance in certain, in, in the community, if you, in, a, in, in, a, in a community that you are working with. Um, and sometimes the people up at the big brands don't, haven't done that or don't don't need to do that because they need to move this top line number. But I mean, I think there's a whole class of startups, open source startups and cloud startups and developer oriented startups. That's the hundred percent of the marketing they do is, is community based marketing and what relationship based marketing and kind of, they show up at meetups and they show up at, at uh, in, you know, on open source projects and they, they, they do the long, hard work uh, on the ground to meet people. Ah, uh. Uh, yes, I, I'm, no? just gonna, I'm just going to throw it out there that you might be idealizing something that's a little far, <laughs> far away. Um, but, I was trying to give you a softball, but yeah, tell me. Well, no, I, I hang out in those open sourcey, uh, like <laughs> boots on the ground, yada, 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 uh, sort of communities. And when you talk to people that run those organizations, they are doing kind of the table stakes for sure of showing up at the right meetups, having uh, regular top of mind, influential talks from people on their team that are usually with titles of advocate or evangelist and, and those types of things. But everyone's susceptible to the desire of the giant boulder dropping in the water and displacing a ton of water and like being that visible, you know, kind of dominant story. So the the paid earned owned is like the the metaphor. Like it, I haven't seen companies be uh, so happy in their open sourceness that they're willing to give up on a great paid opportunity or something along those lines too. No, uh, I, that, that I, was I totally my only get thing. that. Yes, yeah, no, yeah. I don't think yeah. nobody turns down a good um, a good review in a major publication, right? Nobody turns that down. Um, lucky breaks are great. Um, and I would just say it depends on the marketing group overall. The irony is, for me, influence marketing and what we do is what marketing was to begin with. It's word of mouth. It's relationship. And it does take time. And before the big splash was the only thing, this was, you were expected to long haul slog, pebble, pebble, pebble. 
Um, so in some ways, it's very old school. We're uh, what we're brewing craft beers. We're making bread by hand. <laughs> we're very Pacific Northwest. You're so needy. <laughs> and but I, I so I wouldn't break it down as much by audience or even size of company. I think that with luck and good fortune, you get leadership that supports you and does both things simultaneously. Get one part of marketing going after the boulders, but leave some space for somebody to ping, 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 because it's just like, um, it's like a stock portfolio. You know, you've got a mix for a reason. Mm-hmm. And oh, I, I think there's a lot of energy or there, there's a lot of positivity to uh, the balance of this too. Um, at least from what I'm seeing that I think companies have paid so much money to get those boulders to drop and then they don't see any form of tail after it and any sort of ramp up before it. So I, I think it's to this point where it's common knowledge that you need the, the pebble strategy. Like you need the smaller, more strategic influencers um, being in contact with your team for longer than just the one major launch and walk away because it doesn't quite capture the audience's attention like it used to. So, Well, I, you may have that in your world. I don't think that's a blanket statement we can make. I think there's a lot of folks who um, are in different places on their journey, right? And they still have an inordinate amount of faith in the big boulder. But I love mm-hmm. your point, the pre, during, after, um, you know, it, the softening of the ground for the boulder to land more strongly. It, it's, it's there, but not every, not every company embraces it. Yeah. Right. right. As somebody once said, the future is here. It's just not evenly distributed. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. And, it, and neither is this stuff magic, right? It's a part of a portfolio, a toolkit. Um, people sometimes would ask me, Oh, let's go just get the bloggers to do something. And I'm like, well, that's great. <laughs> but actually uh, bloggers like anything else, right? If you, if, if you get a really good, uh, if you get something in the press and that people like, a, uh, uh, people are something for people to talk about or react against, that's better than just kind of, uh, you know, it gives, it gives fuel, it gives air cover. Uh, there's more than just, uh, you know, talking to people individually. But it's a cycle that um, yeah. feeds each other, right? Yeah. The win-win is you get some massive article, and then the bloggers chew on that and debate that, and then there's another article. I mean, we see that go both ways. Like, if we take this to consumer, people write articles based on tweet storms now, and then there are tweet storms based on the articles, and then the cycle goes round and round. No. <laughs> yeah. Ah, sausage making. Okay, so <laughs> that thing we put the pin in before about metrics. And I think people do get really hung up on metrics, especially with influencer marketing, uh, where we're talking about actual people. Uh, I was reading an article just this last week about how, uh, you know, influencer marketing is BS. The whole concept of micro-influencers are BS. Uh, you know, you, this, uh, you, people are wasting their money. They just don't know how to, they, they're just, these mostly consumer, they were talking about brands are just pouring all this money into all these, these like kids who uh, have a little audience on, on Instagram or Snapchat or something, and there's zero return for their investment. So um, that is a uh, industry conversation that's going on. But I think people do get really hung up on, on metrics and on both on audience size and then on what have you done for me rather than the relationship. So that's where I was going to take it. Uh, I don't know, Amy, what were you thinking about when we were talking about metrics? Well, a couple things. I think a lot of it is BS. I'm going to have to be on the uh, grouchy side of that one. Um, I think that if you pour all your money and it's because what you're doing is having a fake pebble strategy. 
if you pour all your money into a couple of big names, you are just repeating your bolder thinking, <laughs> right? In a pebble world. Um, so I think if you've got a margin that you're willing to spend X amount and distribute it over a broad reach, then you can start to do some experimentation. You can do some interesting things. You can build the relationships. You can support kind of the independent voice. Um, to put all of it in one basket, you're right back to where you were, you know, of a same, same portfolio. The other piece of that is um, I will draw you a verbal diagram. It's my new favorite diagram, which one day I will commit to an actual slide. Matt, maybe you can help me with that because you know how hideous my skills are. Um, I do. He <laughs> really does. Um, so if you take a traditional marketing funnel, the thing I always explain to people is influence marketing is not good at everything in the funnel. They're very good at the top of the funnel awareness. And when we do it well, we widen the funnel at the top. So we expand awareness and, and make that a broader funnel, more input, right? If we also do our job well, the watermark on loyalty rises. So if you've got sort of awareness at the top and loyalty at the bottom, and then the mushy middle where you have to do all the demand gen in the middle, our job is not necessarily demand gen, but widen the funnel and raise the watermark for loyalty so that the demand gen lift is lighter. And I've had so many light bulbs go off when I show or explain that kind of funnel model because I really genuinely think it's true. And when people try to make influence marketing do something it's not good at, it fails. Hmm. I, I would agree there. And that demand gen conversation I was gets talked about a lot. I was talking with a, uh, a guy who's kind of new in, in developer advocacy uh, just uh, yesterday, uh, Matt, and and he was struggling with his was it me? organization. Wait. It was not you. He was struggling with his organization about, you know, is part of my job sales? Is part of my job to do demand gen? And we interesting conversation. I think you've had those as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, kind of dividing and conquering the marketing funnel because when we talk about top of funnel, bottom of funnel, it's it's fundamentally we're we're saying like the model of marketing is to grow the amount of audience at the top and do some stuff with them so they're converting along the way until they start paying us. And then at the bottom after they pay or maybe before they're loyal to us along the way. Um, it's it's huge to know where your skills and where your job or org chart is supposed to play in that model. Um, I, I always ask first when I'm doing something, if I'm interviewing for something like a developer advocate, I'm like, are, am I making content to draw people to the top of the funnel so that they show up and can even have a chance of wanting to convert? Or are you expecting me to, uh, create like, you know, compelling product demos that's really about getting them to convert and be ready to be a hot handover to a sales engineer? Mm -hmm. Um, and just having the language to differentiate those two things is huge. Um, because you're, you're basically, you know, back to the, the influencer, um, being an influencer in, in that space, like you're acting as an influencer being paid by a team if you're doing evangelism or advocacy. So knowing what's expected of you is probably an important part of any influencer. You know, what's weird about talking to you guys is that, uh, I actually Everything. talk about the fun. Yeah. I talk about the funnel in a completely different way or I'll, the, the example I use is actually very different, which is, uh, which is fascinating to me. So um, I often talk about how I talk about the top and the bottom, I guess, but the other example that I use is also you can, and maybe the right way of talking about it is, you know, in blogging is uh social media is a platform, right? It's not a thing. It's like a telephone. 
blogging is a platform. You can blog about fish. You can blog about puppies. You can blog about uh, computers. Uh, you can tell jokes all day. You can tell stories. You can show pictures, right? It's, blogging just means a platform. Influencer marketing as well is like a platform, right? It's a, it's a, it's a way of going about stuff or that, that we've talked about here. So one way of using influencer marketing is that I've worked with a lot is, is you get a community of a bunch of people who are uh, techies and, and they, they're having fun with you uh, and the, the company you're working with or the, the technology we're all working with, and they create content. And all of a sudden you've got... Um, uh, in this case, uh, you have all this blog content and how-tos and tutorials, and, and, and you can encourage them to do that however, however it is, uh, but, um, and you know, speeches at VMUGs or whatever. And uh, you know, then you're not actually, one of the things you're doing there is by creating all this content, you're actually helping the middle part of the funnel, which is the consideration part of the funnel, because people look around and go, oh my goodness, if I get into trouble, let me, let me research this vendor, I'll Google them, and, and, they, or they, and if I get into trouble, look at all this information and look at all these people who are going to help me to, um, you know, to, to be successful. And so that's actually not, I consider that kind of in the middle part of the funnel too. So I, I think it's interesting. Oh, yeah. We all talked about a different part. No, and, and you're totally right that um, a lot of the content that will come out of, say, like a, an advocacy program that includes external advocates uh, or influencers, whatever term we're going to use here, um, and gets them to, to talk about uh, different parts of it, it will fall top, bottom, middle of the funnel. Absolutely. Um, but I, I think it is really interesting that you pitch from the middle when... Uh, I think from a career perspective, uh, it's more fun to be at the top uh, of the funnel, like just being able to get people in there. Because the conversion, the closer you are to that conversion point, the closer you are to the sales organization. Uh, well, we've talked about stuff. that. Sometimes it's useful to be aligned with sales. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely. Gets, it gets dirty in that DG place. Like, again, <laughs> having spent my time with the field marketing team, I learned a yeah. lot. Mad respect. <laughs> oh yeah, it's uh, job. total job. total respect here too. It's just like the type of content I I guess more of a self reflection. The type of content I like to be a part of is very early consideration stage mm -hmm. as opposed yeah. to conversion stage. Right. Um, but you're right that like a lot of this content of people saying like I use this and here's how I use it. That's classic, you know, crossing the chasm marketing conversation of like yeah, yeah. these are people that you trust and are part of organizations that you trust that are doing this thing. So. If you're one of the later stage adopters, then okay, you point to them and say, "See, they did it. We should do it too." Yeah. And one now, way or the other, it should, in theory, lighten the load. Again, we should be a part of marketing that makes the the down and dirty traditional parts of marketing easier. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And, now, and this now, leads to one of my favorite yeah. kind of uh, topics, which is beware the charlatans. <laughs> <laughs> Because with any, am I right? With any new thing comes immediately, sorry, pointing fingers. There's an agency out there ready to take your money and promise you sweet little lies. <laughs> well, yeah, I think there, there, I think it comes from a, a confusion of, of what's going on here. We were just talking about top of the funnel. I want to reach as many people as possible. So uh, if somebody has a million Twitter followers, Amy, shouldn't I hire them to talk about my uh, product or service? <laughs> yes. The because, math doesn't lie. <laughs> yes. Math should immediately, <laughs> because if Michael Jordan comes into your data center, your servers will fly off the shelf. Like, <laughs> well, didn't, uh, there was, somebody used Shaq for a while, right? CDW or something. They had a, they had a whole ad campaign with the. Uh, 
some sports person. <laughs> I tell you how much I know. Yeah, some sports ball. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. So yeah. So there are uh, what we're what what we're trying to get at. If people haven't re- recognized, is uh, fairly sarcastic, and that just because you have a big number of followers or have some sort of large audience that you claim doesn't necessarily mean that it's the right audience or that you can influence them or you have authority in a certain kind of area. That's the way I kind of put it. Is that right, Amy? Absolutely. And honestly, and this may just be a personal thing, but I have done all I can in my career and will continue to do so. If you are famous for being famous, I'm never going to pay you money. Just know this. If you, no Kardashians you see, in, no, in your no portfolio? Kardashian. No. If you see my name on your review panel, you can assure yourself I'm working against you. <laughs> so don't even try. Because yeah. I, I really don't believe in this. I think I, I would... That's just me. I would rather have authentic, mid-level, or known in a particular area, trusted, authentic, than paid, you know, gun for hire. Um, and the challenge I have is I think in this industry, people are too willing to sell people what they want and not the truth. You know, I, it's like the diet pill industry, it feels like to me. It's just... And with people don't have the time or the staff or the knowledge to sort of ask a couple of the right questions, then I think you get sold, you know, here's the great numbers we're going to produce for you if you pay this much money into the system. In my opinion, this is relationship marketing. It is about sweat equity. You have to play the long game like we talked about at the first. If this is a program your company's only going to sponsor for a quarter, just forget about it. It's not Mm going to work. Well, Amy, I, I get the charlatan thing, and I think there's a certain class of people who are, are kind of show people who, uh, you know, they, they've, they've made a, a living to be big on social or to, to – uh, some of them actually have become quite good speakers and book authors and things like that. And kind of, there's a, they appeal to a certain audience. So sometimes they pay for that audience, um, which is where I guess where the charlatan comes in. But I think there's another kind of class error sometimes that happens, which is that you have an influencer in one particular space – an audience and you, they have big numbers. So you're like, well, I should work with them because they have big numbers, even if they don't apply to your space. Yeah, Hmm. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I can think of a, go ahead. Oh, I I guess I was going to put a positive spin on it. So like, what can you take from this Charlotte and effort that like do better due diligence on the big names that you're paying a lot of money to, to talk about technology. We are not in the Coca-Cola industry or the soda mm-hmm. industry. We've had that conversation very early on in the Geek Whispers, and it remains true. Um, but I, I do want to pull back something. Like I think one of the most engaging talks I've seen in the last few years was a keynote from a NASA engineer at uh, a developer slash operations engineering conference. Every person in that freaking audience was at the edge of their seat, just dreaming of this idea of us all going to Mars together and just a little bit of the technology, but it was much more about how technology is enabled like this exploration of the universe. And, and that was a great use of influencer engagement. I'm sure she got paid to be there. Um, and she inspired everyone to go back and think of how your technology connects to this greater good um, that we're all after. 
Um, she could have sold us anything she wanted to by the end of that talk. <laughs> well, and fair, that's crossover, but she that also was had crossover. Yeah, right. But she had done the time, right? She had done the time. She wasn't famous just for the sake of it. She. Oh had, hell no, 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 no. Right. That, that's that's what. Um, maybe yeah. So maybe I missed the mark on the Charlotte in part. It's more of the uh, just because somebody does have a major following doesn't mean they're not influential, even if that's not exactly what they do, right? Like mm. you can you can sort of play the mix and match, but you got to know what inspires your your people. Right, Fair. right, and you have and, to have and a, a toehold. You have to yeah. have a switch point. Yeah, and and she did the job. I mean, the job to be done there was to create an emotional uh, space in that conference for, uh, that was inspiring and and a shared experience. And she's good at that. Um, you wouldn't uh, probably have hired her to uh, endorse a line of uh, uh, storage arrays or something like that. Um, yeah, no, good point. Cosmetics, good point. Yeah, irony. Good. I love that this is a sheet, so we can say that. Like, <laughs> you know, yeah. She'd be well, like, and, I could care yeah. less. What do they do in and space? <laughs> my, <laughs> my, my canonical example is, is Robert Scoble, who is a, uh, both kind of almost a neighbor, uh, certainly an acquaintance and a, and a dear friend of some friends of mine, um, but I don't know very well. But um, So I can, I can use him as an example. You know, he is super influential. Uh, right now he's in the VR and AR space. Uh, and it, it could, if you're in the VR and AR space, he is a, he is a great guy to know and to, and to work with because he has a millions of followers and they're all very interested in that very cutting edge uh, technology. Uh, you know, he's not a, he's not a very enterprise guy. And so, you know, if, if, uh, if a big enterprise vendor brought him in, uh, you know, his audience, he doesn't really, uh, he's not the customer for, and probably doesn't respond to uh, the kinds of uh, business problems that uh, an enterprise tech company wants to talk about. So that's an example of kind of a mismatch of an audience. He's not a charlatan by any means, but it's a, it's a mismatch of, of goals and, uh, and what somebody brings to the table. Make sense? It, it actually just inspired me that the next time somebody makes that kind of crossover question, I'm going to send them packing to our database marketing group and have them have a long and painful chat about segmentation because yeah. no group understands micro-segmentation and how to reach an audience than your database group, right? They know about targeting. They know how to ask the questions. And if they come, you know, skipping in your way and just give me an influencer, any influencer, you know, be like, go chat with them about why you don't do that and why it's not effective and then come back and talk to me again. What a great, great example of partnerships in the team, right? Like, you don't have to be the one that explains this. And, like, it, they're not going to understand your explanation of the, the funnel if they're really just asking you, like, to get somebody with 5 million followers. So you send them no. to a database uh, team <laughs> that knows the excruciating pain of, like, the lack of correlation there. I, the other thing I think is kind of funny is that the word micro-segmentation and the word database mean something completely different in the data center than in the marketing department. So uh, <laughs> True anyway, that. I was amused by that. Um, okay, so we, 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 we have to have somebody that, that, that has an audience or, or interacts with this audience, and, and social media has made that so much uh, more powerful, uh, although a lot of it happens offline. And, so, and the, we've got all this community stuff and bottom-up stuff going on, and we're making relationships with people. One of the things that I have noticed in the rest of the world, which is um, other industries, other verticals other than enterprise and, and tech, enterprise tech, is that a common pattern is, this, is a paid pattern. And they seem to have settled on that, that that's a fairly, it, that's a fairly easy thing to do and a fairly effective thing to do and a, a common pattern. I would also point out that it is also a common pattern kind of in the analyst world, not necessarily pay to have an opinion, but being paid for your time or being paid to produce something 
you know, when somebody talks to a research analyst, uh, no research analyst shows up on a, on a panel or a podcast or whatever uh, for free usually, right? They're usually paid for their time. Not paid for their opinion, but paid for their time. So um, my question is, in the let's set up maybe now, let's set up what we know from a, an enterprise community and an open source and a developer community where many people work with vendors and they are having they're 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 enhancing their careers and they're doing all sorts of good stuff they're becoming if they're a customer they're becoming a much more successful customer if they work as a consultant or something they're becoming a much more successful and knowledgeable consultant but a lot of this work goes on with no money changes hands right and all of us have worked and all and people listening to this podcast who may not even be in marketing right we all do most you know the weird thing maybe from an external perspective is we've all done work for other vendors for no money, right? Just because we're interested in the tech or we think that we'll get more knowledge out of it, right? Both of you guys have had that experience. Yes? Totally. Yeah. yeah. So my question is, um, will we, or I have a prediction that, that, that we may start to see changes in the enterprise side, but, but I don't know. I don't want to find, do I want to go right to the prediction right away or do, you wanna, do we want right, you on the being paid first? Yeah, don't, well, be, don't be shy. Well, I think it's, I mean, so, so if I look at people in the blogging space, a lot of them will blog for free because they're interested. Um, and they, they also get things, you know, there's always an exchange of value, even if it's like knowledge or access or, or things like that, or being the person kind of that's in the know about the new product release. But um, often you can hire people, if you're a vendor, you can hire people to do a white paper or you can hire them, uh, you can put a uh, advertisement on their blog. But my prediction is that we will see more and more uh, paid influencer marketing, which is that you pay me uh, and I will write you a blog post and it'll be my opinion, but it'll, uh, you know, but you paid for it and we'll indicate that. And, you know, disclose, we haven't really talked about disclosure, which is kind of a big nasty thing on the consumer side of uh, people disclosing that they've been paid to, uh, you know, promote some party or event or, or, or trousers. Jeans. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, so I think that the influence in the, on the enterprise side, I can, if every other vertical and every other industry has arrived at this conclusion that, yes, you do some stuff uh, for the relationship and for other non-monetary values, but, you know, it is, if somebody has an audience and is knowledgeable and is authoritative, why, why shouldn't you pay them for their time? And I think we're, we'll, we're headed there. I, you know. I think we'll see that, and I think it'll be a big shock to a lot of people who are then asked to edit their pieces up to the level of quality that would be expected. So I think it'll <laughs> it'll harsh buzz from somebody who yeah. worked in publishing for ten years. Um, so I think we're going to see. I think we will see evolution. I think we're going to still see a strong lot of blogging from people who are practicing a craft, who mm-hmm. are interested in being thought leaders, who understand the impact on their career who are just naturally curious and have to write things down. So I think we're going to see kind of a, I think we'll see a more rich mix. I think that we're seeing a lot of interesting groups people can participate in so that they can do a little bit of this, um, you know, networks kind of forming. It's been interesting to watch. It's the rise of the citizen analyst. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my, my take is I couldn't disagree with you more, John. Uh, uh, good, good. Yeah, I, I, I actually have some disagreements with myself too. So, so no, that's right. I just, I, I absolutely don't see it because uh, to Amy's point of the people that are doing it for craft or for fun, um, I think they're either going to uh, find that it's painfully obvious that they have to do a lot more work to get paid for it and they're not interested in it, 
or they um, are already pursuing that, right? I think it's a very small conversion rate of people that enjoy writing a blog at the end of the week and people that are going to try to get paid for writing a blog at the end of the week. Mm. On top of that, um, I think it might just be a perspective shift for us that uh, as the technology shifting, as the crowd that we've been around for a long time is shifting, um, we might just have a, a selection bias here of we see the people that used to do it for free are getting paid to do it now. Um, that And at least that's what I'm, I'm coming to mind. I'm like, hey, I've actually started to consider like, hey, maybe I should reach out and when I write something before I just go publish it myself, see if somebody would want to publish it and pay me for it um, mm-hmm. because I'm at that stage. Um, so I think it might just be that people that used to do it a lot for free can now earn something. Or, but a lot of them are going to just continue to do it for free because it's for them. It's not for anyone else, and it's or it's for the good of a community. So mm-hmm. that's my take. Yeah. That that actually kind of brings us to a discussion which we're not going to have about uh, the state of blogging in in 2017, which which I'm uh, have uh, by the time this airs, I will have grappled with on my newsletter. But uh, yeah, we should you know why does somebody why does somebody blog? Well, and I think you might be right, Matt, uh, in that. There's a couple of, of counter uh, arguments here. One is that a lot of the people we're talking about, technologists, um, in, in our field, make a lot of money, right? They're making over six figures, many of them. And so in, uh, if you're a mommy blogger and, you're, and, I, and that's not meant pejoratively, right? If you're, if you're blogging about family life and, and home stuff and uh, you know, you're getting paid by Clorox a little bit of money, you know, a little bit of money goes, along, goes, a, goes a little bit different way there. Whereas if you're making six figures already, um, you know, a couple hundred bucks here and a couple hundred bucks there for a blog post, which I know that people do, is like some mad money, but it, it, it doesn't uh, move the needle a whole lot. So that's A, one reason why people might not be uh, being paid to blog uh, in the enterprise space. B, um, I do think, uh, Matt, like what you said about uh, there's a whole lot of people who are entering just to blog for, for blogging sake. And this is kind of the state. Of, I see a lot of people just starting to blog because it's interesting and, uh, the, you know, there's, they can, they can get, you know, vendors can work with them more and it's a great for your, the pattern as we've talked about over and over again, is if you start to blog, your career can go crazy places because it's kind of this public stage that you can, uh, that, that kind of hangs your shingle out. Um, and then, uh, one, two, three, uh, the other reason that it might not be uh, where we end up is that it's not actually a not very nice destination. There were lots of stories um, in the other other industries about how once you reach this destination where everybody's being paid, it is actually super hard. And, and I think you guys both mentioned that. It, 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 and in fact, it's 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 a uh, uh, challenging because you'll be like, oh, we'll pay you two hundred bucks to write this blog post about uh, this Clorox cleaner. And you do it, and they're like, well, you, but you didn't mention fresh smell, and we really wanted you to say fresh smell, uh, and that's our brand message. So can you rewrite it? And, uh, you know, and they go back and forth, and they make your life miserable for, for 200 bucks. So um, one can only imagine, you know, if you are being paid, right, you're doing a job, so you actually have to requ- fulfill the requirements of the job. So it kind of does turn the whole relationship on its head and, and kind of could become quite, uh, then why the hell are you doing it in the first place if... if what value is it if you're just repeating what the brand message told you to repeat? So, uh, you know, maybe I'm maybe I'm totally full of uh, of shaving cream on this one. No, I think I think we're going to see more of a mix because I think some people again it'll be a shift. It's it's in all things as the market matures, some people are going to see what they can get out of it, um, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I just I it it will the market will. Free market at its best, right? It'll bear what it will. 
<laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think that's I think that's where uh, I think that's a great summation. The market, you know, there is this is a market. People will enter the market. People will try stuff. I mean, it, it, no one's ever. We're not really talking about making your living as an influencer uh, at this point in this conversation. But I do think uh, it's okay to be paid for your time. And if you are, um, if, if there isn't something you're doing for somebody and, and they want to pay you, uh, you know, take the money. I, I if, if, if as long as you're not misrepresenting yourself or misrepresenting your. You know, doing something you don't believe, saying something you don't believe. I don't know. I, I, I feel fairly, I mean, maybe because I'm working with vendors so much these days, I feel fairly liberal about paying people. I, <laughs> no, I think it's good to respect your craft. And yeah, if, yeah. You've put, if you put your hours in, it doesn't even have to be 10,000. If you put your hours in, you can get paid for your craft. Just know if that's actually something you want to do and you want the mm-hmm. extra complication or you, you don't. Like, yeah. you, I think both are very legitimate. Yeah, and if you do get paid, yeah, get paid what you're worth, right? Uh, you're worth yeah. more than 25 bucks. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hey, hey um, since Amy brought up metrics, mm-hmm. I have this idea. Um, I'm gonna, I want to ask everybody a little closing question of when talking about influencer marketing, because John and Amy, you do this far more than me, what's one thing each of you will never do again when explaining <laughs> influencer marketing? <laughs> you know, we were so positive. We had so much positive energy. I want to really just bring it back and fill in that negative space. <laughs> I will never promise what can't be delivered. Oh. I'm actually careful about that. But if people think, because it isn't a pay-to-play model, usually, I make clear that you do the right thing, you provide the right information, but if you launch a stink bomb, expect to get exactly that amount of content and type of content in response. So mm. often it's around a launch cycle, right? So if somebody launches hot air and no red meat, then that's what they're going to get. And I think to say that you can solve any problem sets you up for failure and will destroy your own credibility faster than anything. That is on every influence marketer's head to be honest about what they can produce. And if it means calling somebody's baby ugly, it's better than telling them afterward when everybody else said their baby was ugly. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Amen. Uh, I was actually going to say, uh, I will say exactly the same thing. Uh, I will, I will <laughs> never try to yeah, overpromise that I can deliver uh, any sort of uh, result <laughs> at all. <laughs> well, because oh, wait, 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 what? <laughs> well, no, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm being, I'm being facetious and I'm exaggerating, but yeah, I will never promise that I, you know, that I can, I can absolutely guarantee that certain people will do certain things. Um, the, and in often cases this means blogging or something because look, uh, like Amy said, right. And not only, uh, if if your product is, is not great, but if you don't have your story down and that is compelling, if you are not talking and you, and you're not explaining why somebody might care, uh, if you're not talking to the right set of people, if you're not talking to who are both you know interested in the topic and have time and are are currently publishing, you know if if you're not talking if you if you really want uh, somebody to if your goal is really to get some like you know more content more blog posts and and you're talking to people who um you know are speakers or or or, or you're on Twitter a lot well then they're they're not writing blog posts if you're not connecting with them you know about the topic you know there's so many things that can go in there with even if your product is amazing. Um, you know, you, these are relationships and it's like, it is kind of like dating. Uh, and you, you know, you have to put the right things into your dating app, uh, to, to meet the right people and then, and then go ahead and take them to the right restaurants or whatever you know, on the right, on good enough dates, um, for this all to work. And so, um, yeah, it, it, there's so many variables and it's, it's totally up to 
the entire team to come together and, and, uh, and to have this conversation and to form these relationships uh, that I, uh, I will never overpromise what actually can be done. I will, you know, again, if you do the right things and you, you're generally pure of heart, you know, you, you, you can uh, achieve your goals, but <laughs> I don't guarantee it. Wow, what a metaphor ride. Did I, did I, was that okay? I think you checked <laughs> yeah. off at least three, but it's, yeah. <laughs> it really is clear throughout. That it's, the, the message to take home here is that influence marketing is incredibly effective and something that complements all the other practices that fall in, under a marketing organization. And uh, if you look at a marketing funnel as your base metaphor for how to interact and add value to the business, you can argue really from any layer of it. Just know what you're, what you're arguing, the value uh, that you bring to the table, and stick to it. Like really deliver on what you, you yeah. plan to and ignore the things that you don't want to do. That's good. That's good. Cool. Be, be true to yourself. Be honest. This is, I mean, that's, man, we only, we're all just humans here, all just trying to make our way through life. Okay, John, okay, John, don't get too California. <laughs> I feel the energy in the room has shifted, and I want to create a space here, a safe space for us all to, uh, to, close, out the, to close out the episode. <laughs> Amy, any last words? Um, it, it, it makes me think of a line from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, where it's one of the final episodes before they're going to close the show. And she's in an alley with a vampire and they're sure they're going to kill her as they always are. And this vampire is like, what's a slayer? And uh, she says, wow, it's been a long time since I, since I heard that question. And I, that's somewhat what I feel about influence marketing. When people ask about it now, it it's, it's, more and more common to your point, even if people understand it as influencer or mm -hmm. as the consumer side. Um, but it is uh, what a road we've been on to make this such a, a normal thing to even have the conversation of will people, will bloggers get paid? Um, it's, it's pretty transformational. Hey, yeah, I absolutely. Yeah, I know it, it is a common thing, but I, I don't think it is a, it is, I don't think everybody understands it. I think it's kind of hard to do. So I'm going to well, say I'm going to say the yep. quote that I said earlier, that yep. the future is here, and it's just not evenly distributed. <laughs> it's so good. Absolutely. Right. That's where well, we're at. With, yeah, yeah. With that, it's been another episode of the Geek Whispers. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Geek Whispers podcast. Tune in on iTunes or Stitcher for regular stories of technology careers, cultures, and lives. Share it with a friend or invite us to an event through our website, geek-whispers.com. Find us on Twitter at geek underscore whispers or at jtroyer, mjbrender, and comsninja. Thanks for listening and see you next time. <laughs>